Hi, I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast on acting, art, and life. In this series, I'm talking to AMAW alumni, students, and clients about the challenges of acting and the joys of creating in the 21st century. For more information, go to anthonymindel.com, or you can also find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you enjoy. In today's episode, long-term working actor Ken Kirby talks about his acting journey in Hollywood through the ups and downs. He shares his experiences and gives advice on how to stick it out. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) You might be wondering who that is. Welcome to In The Moment Podcast with my new guest, Ken Kirby. This is where I push the button and we hear it. Ah. Ken sounds a little sleepy. I just Big. made him some coffee. Yeah, we're full, doing full fat cream. Full fat. That's right. Um, so Ken, how long have I known you? I've known you for like ten years. Yeah, it feels ten like years. when I moved out here, two thousand eleven. So then I, I think I signed up at your class pretty soon after that, probably within so the like first nine years, six months. Yeah. Wow, and you're Canadian. I always forget that. Yeah. Yeah. All Canadian. Are you Vancouver? From, no, you're from... Vancouver. You're from Vancouver. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Vancouver. Lived in Hong Kong for a little bit when I was younger, from like 3 to 11, then moved back to Vancouver, and then LA. Yeah. And you... Do you have your citizenship there still? Or have you become, Yes. Yeah. Because you can be... Because you're an American citizen now, too. Uh, green card. Oh, green card. Yes. Which was a big deal. Have you applied to become an American? Not yet. No. You're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Might put that on hold for a while. <laughs> if things continue yeah. going down the path, I know. Let's not. I mean, do I have to? I don't. I don't know. Maybe no, after. Don't know. My, maybe just... after my green card, it's like after ten years, you have to become a citizen. Okay, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I never knew that about you. I mean, I knew. I, I guess I just assumed you were also naturalized citizen here. But okay, interesting. And you, weirdly enough, you never really shot anything in Canada, have you? No, like the it's shows like that you're working on are all here. All here, and then I shot something in Atlanta. And, uh-huh. uh, but I, I, yeah, I'm just, I don't know what it is. It's, I gotta get back. <laughs> this year, I'm gonna go back. You were the first one to tell me about Pete Horton's coffee. Uh, Tim Horton brought you back somewhere. Wait, Tim Horton. See, Tim Pete Horton. Horton was a character in Thirty Something. Uh, uh, this is for our listeners that are not even gonna know this. Pete Horton is an actor who was one of the leads in Thirty Something which has now been repurposed as This Is Us because the creator of 30-something, one of the actors on 30-something is the creator of This Is Us. Interesting. Do you remember that show, 30-something? I don't remember. It was huge. It was like Ken Olin, all these actors nobody would know about now. But no, I know worked, Ken Olin. I, I worked with Ken Olin okay. on a pilot. Yeah, he, he's a he's a really fun guy to shoot a pilot with. Okay, That's so it. you shot a pilot with him. We shot the, this Grand, so weird. the Grand Hotel pilot. Oh. Yeah, so I had a recurring on that show. And, and That's that awesome. It comes out in June. Oddly enough, it's the thing that... It's March of last year, and then everything else has come out, and then that's coming out. It got a it, in June, mid June, after the Bachelorette, I think. Okay. So because I have a student who's one of the leads. Well, you know all these Aussies. You're friends with all these Aussies. Yeah, yeah, Lincoln. Lincoln. Yes, yes. But I don't know anything about the show yet. Is that that show is like a soap opera that takes place in a hotel? It's kind of an amped up telenovela in a sense. It's uh-huh. based off the original show Grand Hotel, which was a very popular telenovela on Netflix. Uh, it's on Netflix, I believe. Um, and like so the Mexican version of it. Yeah, okay. and it's, so it's a, it's a family owns this hotel, and there's you know sex and and, and drugs and money yes. and, and very Miami, and it, it's fu- it's a lot of fun, you know. Oh, for, it takes place in Miami. Yeah, it takes place this in Miami. The remake. The this remake. One? Okay. Yeah. Oh, 
hilarious. And so it's very, you know, it's all the stuff that would work and be very poppable for network TV. Of course. Like, you know. It's for NBC, right? Or ABC? Uh, ABC. Okay. Yeah. Beautiful people. Lots yes. of making out. Yes. Yes. In lots sexy of situations. Sexy situations. Lots okay. of danger. Okay. Yes. Lots of pools. Intrigue. Lots of bikinis. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you play on it? Uh, I play a Asian billionaire called Byron. Wow. Who Byron is, the billionaire. Yeah. Engaged to um, one of the family members. And uh, he's trying to own a piece of property. And I'll just leave it at that before <laughs> before I give away too much too much of the storyline. Oh, my God. I love that you're playing a billionaire. How did you tap into that role, Ken? Uh, well, actually, it was interesting. Um, the character... They wanted like a not just like a, a stiff, you know, you know, straight from China, you know, billionaire. They wanted like a millennial kid who has like family money who like is very first generation American and, okay. and kind of spends money frivolously and doesn't think before he speaks. And so, you know, there's just it was me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, kind of. <laughs> uh, it was just a fun character. To, yeah, it wasn't like I had to like work into too much of anything. Right. It was just like have fun with this guy. He's. He's like a, you know, he likes to party and he likes to, you know, buy expensive things and, and he doesn't, he's not afraid to speak his mind. So it was, it was fun to play a character with no filter essentially. And yeah. Well, that's, it's kind of you. Yeah. Cause people who don't know your work, you're also just really funny. Like, I don't know, is stand up? No, not really stand up. You do sketch. Sketch more. Sketch yeah. Stuff. yeah. Yes. You have some really funny characters. Yeah. <laughs> Oftentimes, I'd make you do them in class. Uh-huh. And you're super committed. What, did you go to Groundlings? Is that went to Groundlings, yeah. Groundlings? yeah. Yeah, still there technically. Uh-huh. Um, just haven't had time to finish the last like thing before uh, Advanced Lab, I guess it is, before uh-huh. um, Sunday Company. Um, if you pass that, then you get to Sunday, and then it's the It's whole, like the ensemble, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Perform every... I think you. the minimum is six months. You do one term, and then uh, and then they can either choose to keep you on or make you a groundling and, and so forth, so... It's interesting because you're doing... Like, you're so funny, but you're doing... I mean, you're doing comedies, but mostly you're doing dramatic stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> Everything ironic? last year is all drama. I know, yeah. But then when I try to do really dramatic stuff within the dramas. I find everything is kind of a dramedy anyways. Yeah. It feels like. That's true nowadays. For network yeah. especially. Yeah. And so nah, 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 nah. Yeah. They need someone who can be serious maybe, but yeah. also like, you know, cut cut the tension a little bit and, yeah. and, and a joke here and there. <laughs> For the Good Trouble show that I shot this year, we all watched the pilot and I remember this one scene at the end where it's a pretty serious moment for my character because I find out some information that... I didn't get this case and I really wanted this case and and uh, I kind of am upset in my delivery of the line and then at the premiere everyone's just bust out laughing when I said it I'm like I did, that was not my intention I don't know why it's funny oh I don't know if they edited it a certain way or I just can't be serious I don't know and what's the premise of that show? that show is the Foster spinoff so oh, you're probably familiar with okay, that show yeah. no I'm friends with Peter Page yeah, yeah. Oh, Peter's great okay. so yeah we shot with him yesterday okay. um, oh. and he he's yeah, he's a lot of fun to work with. He directed the first two episodes. Because, is the Foster still on? Sorry, is that no the Foster's is done. But so they now... took two of the girls from the family okay. and they moved to LA <clears throat> Got it. to kind of explore Pursue their twenties adulthood. Adulthood, okay. exactly. And so it's a coming of age show. And it's called Good Trouble. Good Trouble. Yeah. And you, who do you play on that? I play Ben, who's a who's on the law side. So Callie goes to work. Play a lot of B characters: Byron, Ben. <laughs> Byron, Ben. Uh, there was another B. Are you serious? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Billy, Bob, <laughs> yeah, Brad, maybe. So they come to LA and they meet. 
Um, they, uh, she goes into the judicial side and works for a federal judge. And that's where she runs into me and, and my friend Molly McCook, who's, who plays Rebecca. And uh, we're all clerks at oh. this law office. And then uh, Sierra Mariana's character goes and works at a tech startup. So they deal with, like, you know, in the first season, they actually tackle some really heavy issues. You know, uh-huh. you've got to commend the show for for doing that. On, on Callie's side, they tackle, like, a Black Lives Matter storyline and then uh, with a police shooting. And then on the on the other side, it's, like, you know, sexism at the workplace in, like, a very bro, bro-y kind of... Uh, in the, which is a problem in the tech world. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, they really, like, dive straight into it. And yeah. both these girls are faced with having to uh, overcome kind of moral issues and... Uh-huh. Okay, and it's on Freeform. On Freeform, okay, yeah, cool. it's doing it's doing quite well, and it's been very well reviewed. It's certified fresh, so it got a second season, and there's just started shooting second season now. Oh, cool. So, okay, yeah. Hulu and Freeform. So it's on Hulu okay. at midnight. Wait, what does the certified fresh mean? That it's like it's like the Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> which is like its whole thing. You know, it's it's pretty funny how how that's like a huge factor in. Any in success of anything these days. Well, so and tell us, like, what is it like for you? I mean, listen, Ken, when I, you know, whenever I work with actors, I can tell when they're going to do well. And I just told you it was going to work out for you. You know what I mean? Like, you're super talented, and but I'm sure it has not been an easy, just like it isn't for anybody. But like, also not being white, you know, yeah, being an Asian actor, and like, but now it's like great to be Asian. But when you started. No, it wasn't. It wasn't, the, it wasn't the case, and it and it hasn't. You know, it's still hard, and you still go, you know, job to job, and you're trying to get that thing and trust the process. And it's not. It's not. Um, it's just hard work. You know, you have to really learn to put like one day ahead of the next day, and not look at it as like, oh, if I like pilot season, it can drive you crazy. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, it has driven me crazy before, yeah. and because you, it's not natural. Uh, you can go. Some years you're like, well, there's nothing for me out there. Like a couple of years ago, like you were saying, and and I think they would do this thing where it's it's like, okay, well, we we've we've cast a person of ethnicity here, and we've cast a person of uh, ethnicity here. So like, let's see, maybe an Asian guy or a girl for this part. Right. And it wasn't written that way originally. This year, the difference is I'm seeing a huge shift in projects that are written for Asian men and women. Uh Yeah. And as the leads of the show, which Uh is really cool, you know, um, I'd say by far this year is the most, um, uh, most specifically written for Asian roles, uh, for pilot season that I've ever seen, which is huge. I think crazy rich Asians probably has a huge part to do with that. And, and just timing. Cause I think Asian men specifically were the least represented series regulars of any ethnicity on television. Whoa. Um, okay. I, I read a statistic. I think it's been like that for a couple of years, uh-huh. uh, if not for, for <laughs> ever, <laughs> probably. Well, I mean, it's because of the perception that Asian men aren't necessarily leading men, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which is so interesting to me. Like, you know, of course, again, I don't, my, I like my wiring is different than the sort of the homogenization of how we see roles portrayed. You know what I mean? I've always seen, well, why can't, again, maybe just being gay. I think anybody who's not straight and white right. sees the world in the colors and the forms of how the world really is. You know what I mean? Um, so, but I thought it was interesting, like in Crazy Rich Asians, like I understood why they did it, but it was also sort of like subtle, but not like, did you see it? Yes. So there was a scene with um, the, oh, I don't remember, Gemma Chan's 
boyfriend or husband. Right, right, right. Like the first time we see him, he's in the shower without his shirt. Oh, that on. was on purpose. Well, no, sure. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like yeah. showing us how hot an Asian dude can be. And I just like, at one level, I was like, God, even this is so reductive in a way. And I'm not judging it yeah. in the sense that, but like, like, look at that. Like we even sort of try to homogenize or objectify, you know, Asian people or black people or Latin people in a way so that, oh, they're just like white people. They can be sexy. You know what I mean? Right. So to me, it was kind of like, I get why they did it, but it was also like, it's reductive. You know what I mean? But it also is like, well, maybe someone in middle America is but watching that and like, it's like, oh, wow, that guy's the Asian guy's sexy. It's not yeah. just like Han from down the road. It's yes. like, well, okay. Yeah. There are, you know, yeah. there, I think on some fundamental level, it's, it's those, you know, a, a big, a mainstream, you know, theatrical release movie like that will make an impact because of that. You no, know? you're right. You kind of have to telegraph it in a way for people. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So it was interesting, and I'm, I'm dating somebody Asian right now, and so it was congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> I joined the Asian club. I don't know. Like I think it's like it's interesting hearing his perspective as an Asian man about what we're talking about and about uh, also about that movie. You know what I mean? And like, but it is pretty crazy that it's taken like 25 years to see Asians represented on the screen in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, just to see an entire, almost an entire movie where it's like, oh, everybody in this, everybody speak English, everybody's right. Asian. And, you know, I grew up in Hong Kong and everyone spoke English right. because it, it was run by Britain until 95, but everybody there looked Asian and everyone there spoke, you know, English. British English. <laughs> so yeah. to be around that, uh, you know, to be around everybody basically who's like Henry Golding, it's, it's like, you're like, that's normal. Why is that... Uh, why is it taking this long for there to be a program like it, you know? But what do you think about, like, um, like there's a show right now that they're casting, I shouldn't say what it is, but they're looking for China, uh, Chinese, specifically Chinese-looking actors. So it's, it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't know. How does that... I mean, again, I guess if we're playing an authentic representation of a role of, of someone from a certain place I don't know I just thought well like why couldn't a Japanese actor play that role if they were the best actor yeah I mean it's I mean? it's just starting now to have enough opportunity where it's like okay now there's opportunity where they want to see an Asian guy so the next the next step would be to be authentic with uh-huh. yeah. the storyline and you yeah. know I think it, there is a difference between a, you know, I can tell between a guy who looks Japanese and a guy oh, who looks sure. Chinese and a guy who looks Thai and a guy, you know, like these nuances are very specific, but, uh, I think it's good that they should try originally to, to cast, um, you know, diverse, but y- you have to look at some of these storylines too. And they, there may not be a name and you look at some of these movies yeah. and it's like, unfortunately, if you wanted to cast, someone in the dad range um, that has a name that's known by a North American audience, like you're, you're looking at Ken Jeong, Randall Park, John Cho, you know right, what I mean? Like right. that's who you're looking at if you wanted to get a film made with like a dad of that a- relative age group, right. you know? And that's just it. And yeah. so all of them happen to be Korean, um, right. I believe. So <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. 
you know, it's, it's something that, uh, I think with time and like the next generation of actors and you're seeing, you have a ton of like Asian American actors that are in your school and, and And also like mix like Asian Latin and you know what I mean? And so it's, again, it's sort of like, it's just, it's awesome to just have people just being who they are. You know what I mean? And I think the writing of it's going to be, you know, I've been writing a lot more now too. And I think, I think that's a big part of it is uh, more stories. If the writers write specific roles, just like they had written this uh, Asian billionaire character on Grand Hotel, it wasn't just like an Asian billionaire who's coming from China, who's an immigrant. It was, you've seen that character done before, but like a millennial who's like, right. here's like, okay, that well then even on a TV level, this, the storylines are shifting. So these movies are going to get, you know, be more specific and told from, you know, uh, an Asian American who went to Stanford or whatever the storyline may be. And you're going to start to see, okay, that's more normal. That's more normal. And then it'll get more specific. I, I mean, I guess the, the, when we know we've really gotten there is when you can just go in for whatever role and like you're handsome leading man and it, it doesn't stipulate white or Asian or Latin. It's just yes. whoever's the best. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that should I mean, it's always should have been that way, but like, you know what I mean? So someone was telling me, or my friend John was showing me, you know, John Kim. Oh yeah. 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 So John was, uh, um, we were having a conversation and, and, um, there was, uh, he's also at the school. Yeah. I need to do like, I was thinking of doing an Aussie round table. I have so many Aussies, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. There was, uh, and, and I had no idea, but, um, there was in like the seventies, I think it was like an actress named Linda Hunt. Who? Oh yeah, yeah. And she played an Asian boy yes. in a Mel Gibson movie <laughs> and won the Academy that. Award. I didn't know, and yes. I was like, I, it's it's called. I took like hours. Living, a year of living dangerously. Yeah, it, it took was one me of my favorite movies. It took me time to process. <laughs> so she beat out Glenn Close <laughs> again. Though, if Glenn Close is going to be mad about losing right. any of these yes. eight nominations that she has, <laughs> I think that one's got to sting the most. But Linda Hunt was pretty amazing in that movie. Yes. That movie was really a beautiful. But she was playing a Chinese boy, right? Yeah, a Malaysian boy. Yeah, a Malaysian boy. And now she's on like NCIS or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really interesting to see. Well, the industry's come a long way from yeah. from an elderly white woman playing a Chinese boy or a Malaysian no, boy to yes to uh, yeah. But wait, Linda Hart is not. She's Asian. Really? Yes, Ken. Is she though? I think so. Okay, well, let's, let's look that I up. think her, her name may seem to not suggest that she's Asian. I always assumed that she... I thought she was, like, part Chinese. Really? Yes. Okay. Let's look it up. We're pausing for a second here. Father Davy Hunt. Huh. Her mother, Elsie Doying Hunt. Okay. Could be. See. Okay. Yeah, see... I always, I mean, I've always thought that she had, you know, her mom Something. I mean, Asian. I can see it. Yeah, you can see it. We'll get to the bottom of okay. it. Okay. So, I don't know. It's it's definitely... But also, it's, it is a little bit great. I mean, of course, back then that was happening on, yeah, other, all the time, on other aspects. Right? Yeah. We've come a long way from, like, the top rounds and the, you know, thick accents. But it's, it's also interesting for, I mean, for me doing comedy... Uh, and doing sketch where you see ethnicities play characters and they, you get laughs, you get laughs from the audience Mm -hmm. and 
everyone laughs when you do an accent or an impression of my mom right. or whatever it is. Right. And people are just doing authentic kind of heightened versions of their parents. And it's funny because I feel like it is funny because there is an ac- accent and people do have accents. If you go to Asia, people, it's not like people have lost their accent and everyone's talking in mid-Atlantic. But I feel like the sensitivity is so sensitive now that they're just it's like you have an accent oh no 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 let's not right, do that right, right. like could this yeah. be taken in a comedic way no 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 yeah, no yeah, and yeah. i don't know if that's a step forward because it feels like it's just making everybody uh like not everybody speaks in just a normal well the pc-ness <laughs> of it is really you know um yeah it's interesting so yeah. it's like complicated yeah, and there's no, like, right or wrong answer. And the pilots this year that I've read um, that are that are basically highlighting this, you know. Uh, there's a multi-cam and a single cam, and they're trying to... And the jokes are about Asian culture and the stereotypes, and it's like, we know this, and it's educating the audience, and some may think these are, like, really on the nose, or yeah, they're, yeah. you know, those could also be taken the wrong way, and yeah. you're like, well, not, you know... Not every Asian person like wraps their furniture in plastic, right. you know. But, <laughs> <laughs> although my grandparents did not did do that, yeah, yeah, they still do. Although they did, okay, yeah, still plastic. Well, it's sort of like also your stand-up about your mom was funny, not because of the accent, but just because of the things she did or said. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's it's, what I've always found. Like Margaret Cho is really funny. She makes fun of her mom and her stand-up all the time. And to me, it's more of like the ridiculous things that her mom says. Yes, not that she's Asian. Exactly. You know what I mean? And I think there's when there's when it's so sensitive that they're like, no, no, lose the accent. And uh, okay, well then, what would you? How should I do my mom then with just a thick British accent? What do you? What do you want? Like a Midwest Southern? Like a Southern? Like what? (laughs) That's appropriate, you know. As long as it's so, it's interesting how uh, I think it's going to come back around though because I don't know. I just feel like. I feel like it's too sensitive now, but maybe yeah. it'll just keep getting more sensitive until yeah, maybe until nobody says is afraid to do anything, <laughs> until everyone's afraid to do anything. I also feel that in class sometimes too, like the things that you know, the scenes or the way we would talk about things twenty years ago. I've been teaching for twenty five years, whatever, but I had the school for twenty one years. Is like last night somebody did a scene, and then and a couple days ago. Where it just, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can sit through this scene listening to the things these characters are saying because it feels a little insensitive to the time we're living in. You know what I mean? So sometimes that is like a real thing, you know? When you're they're doing a, a piece that feels very specific to the time, like 10 years ago, but they're using words in a, a way that feel inflammatory now. It's mm. tricky. It's really tricky. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's a, it's... And, and also our own awareness about, you know, last night it was weird because there was a scene that was so intense and everybody was freaked out and it was beautiful. Although I told them, I was like, because it's a lab class, so we're going to do this for a month. And I was like, I don't think we want to watch this for a month because it was basically a guy really uh, mentally abusing a woman and possibly it could become physical abuse like the suggestions in the scene right right it's really intense and they totally went for it but it just we all afterwards were like i don't think i can watch that for four weeks right you know what i mean it's sort of and yet it's also art in a way because somebody has written that story and those stories exist in the world yeah you know what i mean so i don't know it's a very interesting 
It is interesting. And like, what are you going to get out of that? Right. Are we, is there, is it, does someone pick up something from seeing that like four weeks in a row, you know, that's right. Maybe. Well, like some people <laughs> in class were like, Oh my God, it was so scary. And it was so powerful. I want to watch it. And some of us were like, it's so hard to watch women being subjected to that kind of cruelty. You know what I mean? Right. Although it exists, you know what I mean? So I don't know. It is very, it's just interesting creating art nowadays around things that we, we see that are reflecting what we see in society, but also because we're artists, not always sure if that's the story we want to be telling, I guess, is a way of saying it, you know? Yeah. I think you probably don't run into that kind of stuff in some of the shows that you're doing because they're more mainstream in the sense that they're trying to, um, you know, like your show, sorry, is it Good Trouble? Yeah, Good Trouble. So, you know, it is tackling difficult subjects, but it's not the same as going to see a movie where you're seeing someone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, 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 yeah, depending on if, you know, the streaming shows, they can really get into some of the, really the dark, dark, dark places um, of some of those stories. So it's interesting to uh, just, the amount of TV and the amount of content out there, you know, and all these documentaries coming out and how people feel about them. It's, it really is like polarizing, you know, because you see people that, like, well, I'm still well, going to listen to this person's music right. and this Michael and that. Jackson. Right. I, mean, I watched that documentary. Yeah, I, I watched night- it last night. I had nightmares the second night. It's, I swear to God. It's not easy to watch. No, but now, okay. So, like, it, it is really difficult to separate the artist from the act. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and so, I see people that are on, fa- on Facebook and they're like, they're, I'm not going to listen to him anymore. And then there's people that are, this has nothing to do with this and, like, so adamant that they still believe that nothing happened because they are such a fan of the his work and it's it, it isn't like do you not appreciate the music because of the person who it was i mean that's it, i don't know what the answer well it's is. i mean this is a it does open a pandora's box right because i did read somewhere that a, a radio station is no longer going to play michael jackson's music mm, interesting where but then i started thinking about like okay look at alfred hitchcock i mean i've been a big fan of his you know cinema for so long and yet he was like an annihilator of women. He was he was obsessive with most of his leading ladies to the point where he was like stalking some of them. Oh wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with Tippy Hedren, I mean in the birds, he like that today that would be considered physical abuse because she had a paranoia about birds. I don't know if you know this. Oh. This is a true story. So she herself was like bird phobic, whatever that there's a word for it. <laughs> and then bird in the, the shooting of the scene where she goes into the attic, she was not told that there were gonna be real birds, right? Crows oh and like all kind I think there were mostly crows and ravens, but so then in the poster of her, the, the famous poster of her, like having her hands protecting her face and a bird's talons like right at her forehead, the birds were tied to strings and the birds were thrown at her. Oh my God. Right. But sometimes the birds, the string would break. And so the birds were actually literally being flung at her. So that's like, to- that would be, a, that's like tra- yeah. traumatic. That's so anyway, like, I just, it's so interesting, like... Like Woody Allen stuff. Oh, and Woody like, Allen, that's another example. You know, you know what I mean? Like... Landscape movies, do you not watch a movie? Yeah, so it's it's, right. it's 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 definitely... Shakespeare in Love, I love that movie, you know? But 
Yeah. Who produced? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So wow, we just went deep in this podcast, but that's what. You, you, it would be it would be endless, and then you look at you like I've watched all these things, I've enjoyed all these things. So do yeah. I go back and unenjoy them? You don't because you did. So. Well, it's also like I, you know, of course, like child molestation in Michael Jackson's case is like it's so deplorable, and yet is there like where do we what what kind of act, criminal act, or just offensive act, or just a person behaving badly, like where is the line drawn in the sand as to what kind of behavior means that their art should be rebuked Right. other people's art, you know, is Alfred Hitchcock's acts worse or, you know, the same. Right. Do you like not watch any Weinstein movie ever made? Uh, Good Will Hunting out the, out the, out the door, you know? Um, I don't think that, I think that's the thing is I think overall the it's awareness. And so people are going to, it's going to be up to each person. And the interesting thing about this is no matter who you talk to, it's not like there's no black and white. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's a spectrum of 80%, 20%, 23, 75. It's just people all have different um, opinions about what constitutes their level of comfort Right. as to this is too much for me. Oh, Oh, it's, it's child abuse. So that's a no for me. But if it's, if it's, uh, you know, Weinstein accent, like that one's like moderately, you know, everyone has their own barometers yeah, yeah, to what crime is, is worse or makes you not want to watch that film. So I think it's, it's, there's no, there's not going to be a, a clear cut answer to that. Unless yeah, these stations, like you're saying, they all stop playing Michael Jackson. They stop playing R. Kelly, you know, whatever that, that is. You know, Woody Allen's doing a new movie, like he's shooting in Spain, I think. And it's got a huge all-star cast. You know, it's so, it's fascinating. He, he is? Yeah, right now. Oh, interesting. Or I just saw recently. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, I don't, like, in Michael Jackson's case, it seems irrefutable. You know what I mean? Like, duh. The It's like, those people yeah. are not making up those stories. You know, with Woody Allen, I don't know. I don't, I wasn't in that relationship. You know, it's so gray in a way. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I mean, marrying your daughter doesn't sound good, no matter which way. Good point. No matter which way you cut it. <laughs> and with that, folks, thank you for that reminder, Ken. So what's next for Ken? Um, you know, just uh, doing what I said, just one, one day at a time. I've actually uh, had, uh, I spent last year, a lot of last year writing a feature script. Okay, so. nice. Excitingly enough, we're uh, we're out pushing it around town now. Okay. So we've, we're we're taking some we're, we've got some meetings lined up this month. Is it a comedy? Yes, it's okay. a comedy. And so you would be in it. I would be in it. That's yeah. the, that's the plan. Okay. Um, and you have a writing partner. I have a writing partner, uh, Nathan Ramos, a very talented gentleman who I met at a Cape event, which was it was great. We met at like a Coalition for Asian Pacific uh, Artists and Entertainment. They had this mixer and I was like, I want to find like an Asian writer so we can see eye to eye, maybe have the same cultural, you know, upbringing. And yeah. so I don't have to explain things when I, when I mention a joke or a reference or a situation yeah. um, that's culturally tied. And uh, so we got together and I had this idea for a movie and we kind of just went with it. And oddly enough, we finished it the same day Crazy Rich Asians came out and, and people, uh, people are liking it. Yeah. People are... Uh, saying it's Crazy Rich Meets the Hangover, which is kind of what I wanted okay, to write. I totally see that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's great. We're pushing that around and then we're That's writing the next good. film, the next thing. So that and acting and just kind of, you know, one day at a time. The auditions are infinite, so. Yeah. That's what I feel like. Well, I'm proud of you. You've really like, you know, when you saw other people in class breaking through or other people getting jobs and you're like, I can't even get arrested and you just keep doing your work. 
That's the thing, right? You just got to keep doing your work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's keep doing the work and build a, build a daily routine that works for you and start to, you know, appreciate the journey of it and work into being, you know, uh, work it really, you know, instead of like chasing that thing that, you know, when I first moved down here, I think I was so focused on like everybody does. It's like, I'm going to have this now or next week or next, next year, this pilot season. Sure. And then you do it enough and you realize, okay, I do a pilot. It doesn't get picked up. I do this other show. I didn't think anything of it. You end up getting to do eight episodes on it. It's just, there's no recipe. That's right. Uh, as to, that's right. There's no formula. There's no recipe except you. You know what I mean? You're, you're forging your own way, just like I do mine. And you know, everybody finds their own way. And it's, and it's going to always go up and down. So how do you maintain this career is always going to take you to your highs and your lows. Yeah. Uh, all the time. So if you're in this career and you want to have a long career, I think it's trying to maintain the enjoyment of the process and then grow as you go along and try to keep yourself emotionally at a steady, a steady growth up versus this ping, pang, ping, pang. Don't let it, don't let the industry take you up, down, up, down so heavily that you, uh, you know, that your bottoms are, that your lows are so, so lows low. and your highs are so high. It's like, talking okay. talking about that yesterday. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Yeah. You can't let the industry dictate your own happiness. You know what I mean? Yeah. hundred percent. Um, well, Ken, I like to, let's just end with, um, I mean, that was interesting. That was a deep, I mean, I feel like all of my podcasts are deep because the guests are really cool and we talk about not just how to get an agent, but like, you know, which is important. Right. right we right. talk about what are all these other, what are, what, what is the social context I think of being an actor? Because like what we we're just talking about, things are changing. You know what I mean? Things have changed. Even when I started teaching 20 years ago, like the industry has changed so much and morphing in so many different ways. But so, uh, I appreciate your sharing your experiences. So this is what I call the speed round. Okay. It's really simple. Okay. They're baby questions. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Uh, I would be, uh, improv no. traveling comedian. Okay. okay well, no. <laughs> what would I be? Oh no. I, you know, I do like business, so I'd be an entrepreneur of some you sort. I would start at like a yes. boba tea frozen yogurt, uh, shop. Oh, I could see that. Hi Ken. I love your frozen yogurt shop. I could see that. Yeah. That's you get free sprinkles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite film of all time? Oh, I mean, it sounds very cheesy, but it's okay. I, love, I mean, I've always been a Shawshank Redemption fan. Black oh. Sheep with Chris Farley. It's a dark horse. It's not even a great film, but he's hilarious in it. I love Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Okay. What's one thing you can't do without? Uh, my dog, Callie. Aww, yeah, that's yeah. sweet. Yeah, Callie. Who's great. your celebrity crush? Ooh. Could be man or woman. Tom Hardy. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. I knew it. So crazy. How would you describe acting? You're like, Tom Hardy's been the answer. Nine out of Pretty much. <laughs> um, how do you describe acting in one word? Perseverance. Oh, good one. Um, what's, what's a takeaway you got from being at the school? Or studying with me or at the school? Um, being there pre- should be many. Kat. There should be many, but being, being, being present, you know, and... and uh, it's 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 a it's a fail safe method when on set and you'd like don't know what you're doing or feel like you need to do this or that or whatever you can just listen respond and uh and be yourself and oftentimes that'll get you out of whatever jam you feel like you're in yeah, that's totally it at yeah. the end of the day what else do we have but the now 
You know what I mean? Yeah. The moment. How would you define love? Mm. That's my last question. <laughs> Complicated, <laughs> but uh, there's a abundance of it out there in all shapes and sizes. Aww. So absorb it. Aww. Yeah. I always like to tell uh, end with I. My definition of love is just this moment. That's sometimes when guests cry. Ken's not crying. <laughs> Ken's looking at me I like, like what are you talking about? <laughs> I do like that. That's nice. It is, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Ken, uh, tell our listeners like where they can find you Tell about the show and uh, social media, whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. You can find me. Uh, social media is at Mr. Ken Kirby, I think, across most platforms. All platforms. And then, um, yeah, you can watch Good Trouble on Freeform on Tuesday nights. And the new uh, season you're The new season, now. yeah, yeah. Okay. We're working on that. It's also on Hulu. That's okay. probably where most people will be watching it. And then uh, Grand Hotel, Hotel, check that out. That's coming out uh, mid-June, mid-third week of June, I believe, after The Bachelor or Bachelorette on ABC. Uh, it's sexy. It's fun. Enjoy it. And we're going to see you be a billionaire. Oh, wait. Yes, no, yeah, yes. you're a billionaire. Yes. yes, a sexy billionaire. Let's buy her in lots of makeouts. Okay. 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 And then uh and then yeah, you know, just stay tuned for for fun movies in a couple of years. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> awesome. <laughs>